Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. They are everywhere in a flash, 20, 30, hurtling and Hitchcockian, spinning, twirling like spastic lariats, dashing, dipsomaniacal, magically avoiding collision without yielding one feather of cartwheeling cocksurety. This program features the work of 2013 writer Larry Christ. He spoke with curator Stephanie Kalis about his work. What kind of got me into writing was when I was in acting school and I was completing my MFA at Temple University. And we spent like an entire year talking about clothes and haircuts and pictures and resumes and all these superficial things that are all strictly just geared to getting the job. And I was kind of slowly going crazy. And I just felt like at the end of the day, there wasn't anything there. It was just like, uh. So I went out and bought a typewriter and I started plunking out this and that and feeling really good about it. I would get back to my little typer and I'd just feel like this is how I recharge. I um, almost never go to a reading without having read some Shakespeare first. Unless it's a verbally challenging piece that I've written, I don't even look at my own piece because when I'm at the reading, I want to kind of relive it with the audience, and that helps to hit the peaks. You know, if I've rehearsed it a bunch of times, I'm going to be slightly deadened to it. But if I read, you know, the first act of Richard III or something, and then I go in and I, I can easily pick up pretty much anything after that. So it just gets the mouth and everything working. Now we'll hear a selection from Larry's live reading. The Frenzy of the Red Berry. They appear in mass like some outlaw biker gang, descending like locusts, raining like toads, pelting the earth like children spilling into the playground, drunk and tumbling, pie-eyed into the 2 a.m. dawn, racing full throttle around the yard, swooping then flashing in rust-colored autumnal solidarity. Swoosh, swoosh, they dive, their wings beat frantic like all existence hinged on it beating one another out as if embroiled in multidimensional chests without deliberation, like Huns chasing down the Sabine women, screaming, shrieking, aerial dynamos, daredevils hot-dogging hotshots, rebels without a pause, engaged in some cosmic carte blanche ribbon-cutting all-you-can-eat heat. Orbs of red clusters, vulnerable as testicles, bright like lanterns, beacons of temptation, picking them off in their yellow beaks, gorging greedily, ripping at them like Promethean entrails, stealing and resting their feathered corpulence on bobbing branches, hearts, rapid fire, pitter-patter, swallowing as they seize another and another, more and more. They are everywhere in a flash, 20, 30, hurtling and Hitchcockian, spinning, twirling like spastic lariats, dashing, dipsomaniacal, magically avoiding collision without yielding one feather of cartwheeling cocksurity. Four robins, I imagine, to be the senior sages, splash giddy and gaga in the concrete birdbath, the anchor to this hub. Wiser, perhaps, fatter, it seems, more mature, possibly. They vie for perspective like old men with little hard-ons. They cheer the youngsters on, splash and wade with uncontained zeal. The flurry of berry-mania, berry-palooza, berry-philia, filled with an insatiable gluttonous, crimson-fed, narcotic-fused, feather-stuffed, bird-bracing ecstasy. These seniors shake their heads, pump their birdie fists, catch their reflective colors, 
Bright, plump bellies displacing the brackish water shake the wet from their wings before rejoining the youngsters join and die or die and maybe join then die in between which fly, fly, fly. (laughs) And then it is over. As instantaneously as it began, as if some secret alarm had sounded and they take to the greater elsewhere, the big blue beating passage returning the scene back to the calm that prevailed as the yard settles beneath the yellowing maple and its stripped bare branches, its nearly fallen leaves, spinning, twirling seeds, concluding with bunches of untapped berry clusters left behind like random booty from an interrupted robbery. The air reverberates with their departed energy like a battlefield afterwards, only not as sad, as a big, sleepy, orange tabby crawls out from under somewhere. (laughs) This brave warrior saunters out, watchful, cautious, travels the seed-laden lawn, the crabgrass, moss, clover, twigs, scattered berry husks, shell-shocked worms, nervous beetles, leaps up upon the birdbath, Sniffs the tainted water, does not drink. Gazes philosophically into the sky, blinks, then continues on slowly into the dying azaleas and fallen foxglove. And this is a, a very different poem. I guess this could be for Mother's Day. It's uh, anyway. This is um, this might be a cryptic uh, uh, farewell to Seattle for me, and uh, you can you can figure this one out. This is called the diagnosis. My mother's dull, impenetrable eyes take in the news. She neither looks at me nor at the doctor as he says the word Alzheimer's. And, as I continue to watch, gives no indication she has heard what he has said. She mentions her book almost every day, her magnum opus tome of justification, a story she has worked on for years. It is about my father, his friend, their guru, her late other husband, his kids, and ex-wife, and me. Aside from the golden question, who's going to want to read about all these people, I try and remain upbeat whenever any of this prose is thrust upon me. The old doctor, our family doctor, somewhere in age between my mother and myself, asks her to name the day, month, year, none of which she gets right. He asks her to name the president. This she knows. She runs, he runs her through a field sobriety test that were I to do as badly would be off to jail, I would go. I hold her hand and walk her to where she receives a new prescription. A long shot, our f- trusted phys- physician says, but something, perhaps, to stave off the inevitable, I finish in my mind. My mind is no golden treasure trove. My mind and all that it leaves behind, more lost than found, and that which remains of such small renown. We hit the pharmacy and other errands on the long drive home, the drive she will have to make next week on her own. She tells me the book is done. She just needs to organize it. It is late afternoon when we return. Fog swamps Trinidad head. Little boat masts poke through the blanketing fog at odds with one another like roaring chopsticks. We arrive home in time for cocktail hour. I pour her some red wine and make myself a greyhound strong enough to win any race. I ask whether she wants to watch the news or not, something she used to always do. Yes, she says, but then I forget to turn it on and she does not remind me and we watch the pale sun dip beneath the fog and disappear. I ask when she will work on her book. 
Tomorrow, she says, it's already finished, she says again. I just have to organize it. Good, I say, because endings are difficult. I make myself another race-dominating greyhound and look for the day's newspaper. In that pile over there, she says. I find the one with today's date and begin to read. She sits across from me on the couch, her eyes closed. She appears to be meditating. I don't know what else to call it. Outside, the ocean grows dark as our reflections cast us in the glass. I continue to drink and read, and Steele looks at her in her shaman's pose as we both disappear off to separate places where we may or may no longer re recognize one another, adrift or at port or floating somewhere in between. Since 65, when my father left, it has always been my mother and me. Others have come and gone. They've lingered and drifted away like boats at port, like that one out there with the little light that just vanished on the horizon. They fade away with us looking out from the shore, these waters drawing further and further away. Her right there, right over there, drawing further and further away. Me on the shore here looking out. So this is uh, one of those uh, Seattle-type poems. And some of you may remember this. This is uh, called The Day the Kingdom Came Down. The day the kingdom came down, I got us up early, packed a flask, a pipe, beers, brushed your teeth, your hair. Let's go, I said. We walked the same several miles I had traveled many times, finding a grassy knoll with a good view of the kingdom, overlooking I-5, weirdly still and empty, shut down for today's demolition. We milled about like at a rock concert with bad seats. There was the Smith Tower alongside other towers whose decks and porches teemed with people. Ferries cut across the sound. Everything looked as it usually did as we waited, gazing at this concrete pimple designed to last as long as time or the pyramids or baseball itself, just 24 years old and sentenced to death. We watched and studied this massive condemned tit in its final hour. They couldn't really be taking it down, could they? There'd been some good seasons, some great games. Regardless of how the M's were doing, there was many a night I'd say to myself, for five bucks, you can see Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Edgar Martinez, maybe Randy Johnson, and for better or worse, the Mariner Moose. There was that unfortunate time I was arrested smoking pot in the concourse. I listened to the rest of the game from a small barred cell in the bowels of the dome. The M's who came, had been down four to one came back to win without me. Muffled cheers bled down through the bars where I listened like a gladiator about to go on. Another happier game, I caught not one but two foul balls leaning out from the middle tier, giving my second to a small child who whose father flinched in fear. It was a horrible place for baseball. Sound reverberated off the artificial turf. The air felt stagnant. Everything echoed. The big unit pitched impressively, but mostly the ball just sailed out. Everyone hit homers if they hit anything at all. On the day the kingdom came down, it was dry and clear. Baseball season had yet to begin. A helicopter passed over, breaking the stillness. Someone stood, someone else stood. I stood, she stood. We all stood like the national anthem were about to be sung. We gazed at this monstrosity with its exoskeletal walkways. The flag, I noticed, no longer flapped from above. 
Red rays raced out from the spokes to the outer rim. The earth rumbled. The nipple where the flag used to be began to sink. It fell like a giant souffle. A giant roar preceded billows of gray-white dust hiding that which fell. Fragmenting chunks caved as dust bloomed, burying several, several thousand baseball games, a hundred or more football games, car shows, monster truck rallies, home and garden boat shows, political events gone and buried in the time it took to round the bases. And you can tell it goodbye. We cheered. We cheered like the M's had just come from behind, like Edgar had hit another game-winning double. We cheered from our hilly vantage as a vast gust of dust plumed over us, blotting out the sky, expanding like a cancer that might consume us all. Cheers and screams trailed all over town. I nipped some scotch and squeezed my woman close beside me because we wouldn't be around to see our own deaths or even one another's. And even if we did, it could never match what we had just seen, this huge forever thing no longer there. Thank you. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2013 curator of this program is Stephanie Kalis. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Mo Preventure. Recording engineers are C.J. Lazenby, Tom Stiles, Mo Preventure, and Steve DeTori. Narrator is Christine Brown. And executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by the Seattle Jazz Composers Ensemble, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>